Welcome back to our podcast for the planet with Mary and Jodie. Today we are going to be talking about anti-racism with Aoife and Ogor. Hi guys. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Hey, thank you for having me. Now before we start, in light of the recent media coverage, we think that it's important to address the issue of racism and specifically uh, in regards to climate justice. Particularly during this pandemic, we see how the lives of black and minority ethnic and black indigenous people of colour have been disproportionately affected in a system which does not ensure social justice. This is highlighted in the case of George Floyd. It was not an isolated incident. He was not the first to be brutally persecuted by the system and he will not be the last. Racism continues to be prevalent across the world, especially in the UK, even when the media chooses not to show it. This podcast is a constructive resource meant to start an educational conversation and does not claim to solve these issues, nor can it cover all areas of the problem in the time frame. Listening to this episode does not make you an expert or actively anti-racist, but will help you start a difficult journey that you have to take yourself. And now back to Aoife and Ogor for some interesting questions. What would you say that racism looks like within the whole climate movement? So first I'll address ecofascism. Ecofascism is a far-right movement that uses environmental issues to bolster far-right views, far-right being nationalism. So ecofascists argue that immigration and third world overpopulation are the root of the climate crisis. So many ecofascist groups have been associated with terrorism, promoting neo-Nazi umbrella groups such as the base. And secondly, um, it's not necessarily racism, but I don't think people are aware that due to past experiences and the experiences of others from their racial background with the police, people of colour are less likely to go to climate strikes and protests. Consequently, there's a smaller population of people of colour at strikes, protests and other events where the police would typically show up, which could result in things like tokenism. And due to the population of people of colour being smaller, it's more likely that a racist remark or action may take place. So Aoife, how does racism in the climate movement translate into people's actions? And then linking, um, linking to that, what are microaggressions? We tend to face these microaggressions, which I would describe as being slight comments and thoughts that people direct at you without necessarily like being outright rude or discriminatory, but rather just small things like, oh, where are you from? Like, that's a question I've literally been asked my entire life. And it's something that people continue to, to ask and assume that I was born somewhere else. And they might comment on the fact that, oh, you, you speak very well. Or like, there's just always these assumptions simply because you do not necessarily look like you're natively British essentially and in my experience it's just at at this point at least I've got accustomed to it and so I'm not entirely bothered by it but in the back of my mind it's just something that I feel is always just going to be there and it's about sort of dismantling that changing that so people don't have these thoughts so people just think before they speak and actually realize you know what why am I making these assumptions I shouldn't be making these assumptions wrong and it is the reality of it is that it is and because the message that is then conveyed is one that's pretty rude and one it's like they're essentially sort of bringing you down and almost dehumanizing you as a person and yeah like I said it's not a nice feeling. So Ogo, 
Do you want to further explain a bit more about microaggressions and then how this is shown through casual racism? So for those who don't know, casual racism is effectively jokes or off-handed comments involving negative stereotypes or prejudices about people on the basis of race, colour, ethnicity. But it's 2020, actually, it's not even about it being 2020 anymore. It's the 21st century. We need to cancel that term. Racism is racism, period. You shouldn't ask a black person drinking water how far they had to walk for it or if it's clean. You shouldn't ask someone of Arab or Muslim descent if they're a terrorist. And honestly, squinting your eyes when you talk to Asian people, just why? So listen in because I'm going to teach you a lesson you definitely need. If you need to involve race, sexuality, gender or marginalised people in jokes, you're not funny. End of. So Aoife, what is the link between all of this and the climate movement? Brilliant question once again. And put quite simply, climate justice is social justice, and not in the way justice is seen and executed in our current judicial system. Now, without rambling on too much, the police exist to uphold the status quo and in turn defend and protect the white supremacist and capitalist oppressive system. They are sworn to enforce laws that are in many ways fundamentally unjust, unequal, and go against human rights. Aside from this, the job allows for them to inflict violence upon peaceful people at the command of those in power. There is no scenario where the power balance is equal, and there is no scenario where the relationship is level and just. The systemic aspect of that cannot be understated, and it's being people who face this inequality the most. It's what often prevents us from going to strikes and standing up for what is right. The same applies to those who are more working class and who don't necessarily have the privilege of attending these strikes simply due to the risk that they take in going. Above all, we must remember that the climate crisis is a symptom of the racist colonial system, not the cause. So to achieve climate justice, we must dismantle the racist system. Great, thank you. That's so, so informative. So, Ogor. Why is climate justice so important as opposed to just fighting for change? Well, climate justice is a term used for portraying global warming as an ethical and political issue, rather than one that is purely environmental or physical in nature. Effectively, climate justice is social justice. You can't fight for one movement without advocating for the other. Climate justice is fighting for governments to make all lives equal, for them to stop systemic oppression and instill systemic change. For instance, UKSEN's first demand is to save the future, and this is where the Green Deal deal comes in. Not only does it address the quote-unquote typical climate change issues, such as decarbonising the economy or restoring habitats, but it also promotes global justice by supporting all peoples and countries and to get economies and governments to work in the interest of everyone, including the vulnerable and marginalised. Yeah. Totally. So why do we need to be actively anti-racist rather than just non-racist? And how can we achieve this? That is a great question. And I feel like we have to shout the answer louder for the people in the back. Because not being racist is not enough and it's not allyship. It's like in school when they teach you about bullying and tell you to not be a bystander. You cannot be a bystander of racism. Anti-racism is calling out racist actions, words, beliefs and structures every single time, no matter who they're from. Ways to achieve anti-racism, for one, is deprioritising white comfort. White supremacy is everyone's problem and we all need to be a part of the solution. Racism has long been a subject that gets white people uncomfortable and I can sympathise with that, I really can. 
Medida's comfort is not more important than the safety and the humanity of people of colour and other ethnic minorities. There was a woman who tweeted, I wish I could find her name, but I can't find the tweet anymore. If you feel uncomfortable talking about racism, imagine a cramped slave ship. Another way to achieve anti-racism is to just listen. Take time to listen to the voices of the marginalised without asking questions, without inserting your thoughts or comparing your personal experiences. Because honestly, there is nothing worse when talking about the struggles of racism when people who haven't experienced it think they can empathise. A third way to achieve anti-racism is to avoid woke signalling. Woke signalling is when people use their minority friends or family members to prove they're not racist. Just don't. I guarantee you that you can be friends with minorities and still be racist. A fourth way to achieve anti-racism and to help towards it is to use your platform. Share news stories and keep people updated. Diversify your Instagram story and your Twitter timeline. But do keep in mind that posting is not action. Things like phone calls, emails and signing petitions bring outcomes. Lastly, educate yourself. I cannot stress this enough. Don't wait for minority groups to educate you. I'd guess we all have the same access to the internet and libraries. Like, Don't make your education someone else's burden. To summarise everything I've said, you need to be actively anti-racist and fighting for climate justice. And if you don't know how to do this, there are so many Instagram pages, websites, blogs and organisations that can help you with this. Because I cannot stress this enough, you need to educate yourself. The human race is the most intelligent yet ignorant species on this planet. This question is for Aoife now. For all of the white people who are listening today, what would you say some of the most important things are to remember um, if someone was trying to become an ally? Yeah, a great question and a very important one. First, I'd like to say that there is more to this than just using the term ally. And using it does not mean you are one, as you must act as one. I would describe an ally as someone who looks to understand their privilege and what it actually means. They, they should be constantly educating themselves and actively listening to others in order to ensure that they do not speak above the people who they are trying to support. I must also stress that when educating yourself, do not expect the oppressed to teach you or lead you to resources. This is something you must do yourself. And ideally, you should look to act as an accomplice, someone who constantly challenges colonization, white supremacy, and as I mentioned before, institutionalized racism by disrupting racist policies, people, and structures. It is absolutely the responsibility of everyone within the climate justice movement to be anti-racist. Because if we aren't, we're simply siding with the oppressor in being racially discriminatory. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Podcast for the Planet. And in the next one, we'll be talking about politics and the environment. We are Mary and Jodie, and big thanks to Aoife and Ogor for talking to us today and being so informative. Yeah, well, thank you for using this platform to bring light to these issues. And although we can't cover everything given the limited time that we have, I'm glad to have at least been able to discuss some of it. Yeah, um, I feel like this is a really prominent issue in the media right now, so um, it was really good to talk about it. Like we said before, this episode is only the start of the journey and we hope that we've given you a constructive resource which you can come back to in the future. Remember, keep educating yourself about these issues and hopefully together we can change the world for the better.